Happy anniversary to one and all. Yes, that's right. It has been one year of Marvel versus Marvel. An entire 12 months of us coming in your ears with that wonderful MVM treatment to all the classic and incredible Marvel characters, stories, the rich history and the trivia that is now spilled out into the world of movies and TV. And to celebrate, we've decided to give you something very, very special. This is a special presentation of one of our full-length bonus episodes from Patreon. We decided what better way than to say thank you to everybody for a year of downloading and supporting us and listening to us and interacting than to take one of our highly coveted, highly valued bonus episodes from Patreon, take it from behind that paywall and release it into the wild for free for all of you wonderful people out there. So that's exactly what we've done. And this is a special presentation of our Age of Apocalypse episode. This is everything you will ever need to know about the Age of Apocalypse. And we have been told by all of our incredible full-paying subscribers on Patreon that this is one of the best episodes we have ever done. So what better way to celebrate our first anniversary, the Versaversary, than by releasing this to all of you. Um, and if you're blown away and enjoy this and, and, and uh, 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 really enjoy what we do when we don't have ourselves shackled to a, a Marvel movie or a TV show, this is what you get each and every month on Patreon. We record a full-length bonus episode every single month for our VIEPs, the people that pay the top dollars. They get this every single month of the year, and that could be you as well. So if you enjoy this presentation, then head over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. Take it away, Robin Will! Another thing, and then a third thing. Welcome to the bonus episode of Marvel vs. Marvel. Is that not good? Do we want a real one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just finally, I finally like the fact we've done a meta intro to a podcast episode. Yes, because, because it's the bonus show. It's Patreon only. It's just for the most important people in the whole world. Our wonderful wonderful viep so we yes. can be meta we can screw around listen I, I i played around with trying to get three things to say but it's dark because this is a dark show if you want them will this is how it would go we would start the episode with this <clears throat> genocide slave camps and mutilations that's not how you start a show that's grim that that, that would immediately that's make rough. me think I have I have definitely gone to the wrong podcast. One that's probably been leaked online recently has been deleted. Uh. You are listening to one of the full-length bonus episodes of Marvel versus Marvel exclusively for you. Thank you so much for for putting your cheddar on the table, for supporting us, for making sure that our podcast can go on the air. 
and you are the reason that we're here, which is to deliver these full-length bonus episodes spinning out from the main show. And in this episode, we are tackling the Age of Apocalypse, one of the most celebrated, innovative, creative uh, crossovers in the history of not just the X-Men, but the Marvel Universe in general. It might be the best Marvel crossover ever. That's what a lot of people say. Um, so it's really exciting. I'm Rob Holden. I'm the Marvel expert. You know that. He doesn't need an introduction. You know what he's powered by. It's Will Preston. Will? I, I, I'm really glad that you didn't have to reintroduce me as, as Captain Ignorant again. Ooh, <laughs> you've given yourself a promotion up to captain rank now are we yeah i i i, I ignored my way into the role uh we haven't got mommy spotify and big daddy apple listening to us uh on this one so we we, we can uh, have a lot more fun with this mm-hmm. i've got the rum flowing will's got the zero percent beer flowing mm. Yes. Do you want to give an advert? You you want to see if we can get some sponsorship from these bad boys? I could actually. It's zero. Have you got? Is that a branded glass? Yes, yeah, well? left. Left. It's my favourite beer. My <laughs> mum got me this uh, left goblet, but I have zero percent left in it. Oh, I, fantastic! The thing is, you're going to order it online though, and I ordered a massive what? crate. Oh, when when you get to the very very bottom of your zero percent left, and someone says, "How much have you got?" Do you then say, "I've got zero percent left"? Oh no. Oh Terrible, no! Oh no! I mean, I, I, honestly, I haven't been on stage in a long time. <laughs> I, 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 same bum. But man, I, well, I don't think we needed that because now I don't want to go on stage ever again. No, uh, I, it's bad on two levels because it made me go groan <laughs> and then it made me think. Oh no! No more left. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this episode is spinning out of um, the X Men animated. Universe episode, which we are already seeing, like, mm. not record-breaking, but like, really great numbers for. You guys loved that episode, and we are deeply appreciative. And, and this one, I'll admit it, I'll say it, Will, it didn't tie in directly to that episode. We normally work really hard to tie a bonus episode mm. straight in to the main episode. This one did not. But I have wanted to do this since we started the idea of bonus episodes. So I thought, <laughs> F it. There was, a, a, there was a little window of opportunity. There was a little crossover. Why not do one of the best? Because I don't know when we'd have the chance to do it again. Um, and that, There's a possibility. We'll get to it. But I thought, Age of Apocalypse. Let's kick off 20... Sorry. Let's kick off 2021 with like one of the best stories that we could possibly give to our VIEPs on that bonus cast, Age of Apocalypse. And we don't normally do this here, but Will, yes, have you ever heard of this storyline before? These uh, words. Nope, nope, nope. I, I'm aware of Apocalypse. I was aware of Apocalypse mm. before the... Uh... Before the film, I knew about him in the X-Men cartoon. I read upon him on Wikipedia a little bit back in the day. Uh, I, I was like, okay, so he's really powerful. That's what I took away. Yeah, he's um, he's like 
Scarlet Witch style powers determined by plot powerful. <laughs> however the plot however powerful the plot needs him to be, he will be that powerful. Yeah. I've seen him beaten nearly to death and then in other sto- by by other mutants and then in other stories it's like that would never happen. <laughs> he's unkillable. Um he's cosmically powered. So yeah, mm. that, that's interesting. So you'd never so so was was lit was it literally me saying Age of Apocalypse was that the first time you heard of it? I I, I reckon so. I reckon so. I reckon mm. I must have heard it. You know, you know when you you know when you're taking so much information and when you're reading about things and it, the words might have glanced across my eyes at some point. But I think yeah. you mentioning it probably had more weight in my memory. Um, do you have any con? Do you have any sort of idea of what it might be? Does Apocalypse win and take over the world? Because that's the Ooh. only thing that comes to mind is Age of Apocalypse is he takes over the world. That's, the, uh, that's what the title suggests, you know. Mm. That's he, interesting. Okay. He, he is that kind of person who would successfully take over the world for a bit and then they, tur- they turn back time if, 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 if they could find a way. <laughs> if I could turn back time. If I could find a way. Uh, available in the shops right now. Share. <laughs> uh, it's always available on Spotify. Um, that's interesting to hear, um, and we, we've got a lot of that to cover. So, what what is most exciting to me about this? We, we're going to deal with all of the Age of Apocalypse. Mm. I alluded to it in in the main show. Um, it is an upside down world. It's a different timeline. Black is white, up is down. There's a lot going on. Apocalypse is in control. We're going to deal with all of that, the differences, and and we're just gonna we're just gonna pull apart the whole story. But at the same time, it is the the most exciting, interesting, and unbelievable time in Marvel Comics behind the page history. Because what we're able to chart with this really is the boom, the boom period of superhero comics, the boom period of Marvel comics, and the slide into failure and bankruptcy. Um, so that's really cool. So I'm going to uh, chat to you guys and, and, and give Will and you the skinny and the behind-the-scenes on how the Age of Apocalypse comes about. Then we're going to go through this incredible storyline together. I'm going to take you by the hand. Ooh. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to buy you a nice fish supper <laughs> and uh, treat you real good. And then, when you're satisfied and smiling, then at the end we're going to deal with the ramifications on the business side of things and what happened to Marvel at exactly this time and exactly immediately following it. Um, so it's it's really cool. It's really exciting. I am the expert on this side of things, if you are not aware of the format. Um, and Will has no real idea of these things. The, the further we get away from the movies the, the and the cartoon series and things like that, the less Will has has experience of. So I will be trying to... I'm, I'm giving this information to Will, that you guys can hear. And I invite Will at any time and every time to... 
to uh, raise a hand, interrupt me, and, and ask to be chatted up about a subject because um, that's the only way that we're going to learn here. Hashtag no gatekeeping, leave the doors mm. open, we want everyone in. And every now and then you're going to hear a certain noise, which is me drinking some rum. So here's the first of that. Yay! There we go. <laughs> so, um, I think it's probably best to start with with where we are, Will. With where we are with the X-Men and with Marvel Comics in general. Yep, start, start from there. Is, is this you telling me, telling me some stuff now? Are you going to tell me some stuff, are you? I'm about to tell you some stuff. You, you know, you know what? Should we throw in a jingle? What you, in a we jingle? got them. We paid for them. We paid for these bad boys. I reckon that right now, Will, we should. You get your little. You make a little note right now. <laughs> We're gonna throw in a mother flipping jingle right here. So to go behind the the, the scenes here for Age of Apocalypse, let me take you to 1994, Will. X Men are riding high in the framework of Marvel Comics. Now, as we know from our last, our, our main episode, they've got the smash hit cartoon series. They've got on the back of that the smash hit toy line, which is huge. They've got all the figures being pumped out there, all the toys, the play sets, um, and they've got the merchandise from... Uh, the key rings to the bed sets to the McDonald's Happy Meals, yes. which is, I really think, is the pinnacle of merchandising. It really is something that says to the world, we have arrived as a viable commodity and entertainment thing for kids for the world. And we talked about in, in X-Men, the X-Men main episode and in the last the main show on the animated series, that the golden age of the X-Men is the 1980s. Mm. That's the fuel driving all of this popularity. 1991, Chris Claremont, the father of the X-Men, and Jim Lee, they launch a second X-Men title. That's what they're asked to do. It's to go alongside the Uncanny X-Men, which had been published since the 1960s, except for that bit at the end where they were cancelled. <laughs> and the new comic is just called X-Men... And issue one, Claremont and Lee sells over 8 million copies. And is still, to this day, the best-selling comic book of all time. In the world. No one has ever beaten this one issue. And, and, mm. and Marvel smell money around this time. So, from 91 to 94, there are... Eight monthly comics dedicated Ooh. to the X-Men being published every month. We've got Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, X-Factor, which we talked about in, in, in the animated show, and that's a great book. It's mm. about a team of um, government-sanctioned mutants working for the Pentagon. But We've this, got, this is Marvel where... Big government is good or bad? <laughs> um, the, yeah, that's a really great point. Um, mm. In in X Men, big government is always government is always bad. But what is seen is that within that framework, there are people like government agent Valerie Cooper ah. striving to do the right thing, 
but mm. constantly coming up against the the red tape and the framework of government. It's a lot like X-Files, and I really think it's inspired by X-Files in many ways. You've got all these people in X-Files, like Skinner and like <laughs> yeah. uh, Scully, who are trying to do good things, but they're also all trying to follow the rules, and the rules keep saying you can't do X, Y, and, and kind of Z. Yeah. There, there's um, Excalibur, <laughs> which is... That, that, that came about in a period of time when the X-Men were believed dead by the entire world. And that is um, a team of mutants based in England... It's Nightcrawler, um, Kitty Pride, um, uh, no, not Colossus yet. Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride, and Captain Britain, Captain. who is attached. Captain Britain is attached to the X Men because he is Psylocke's brother. Okay, what is Captain um, Britain's powers? Oh, we we well, come on, you're the encyclopedia. Um, Cap- Captain Britain is empowered by Merlin. Ooh. And he has um, incredible strength, flight, durability, and vulnerability, and speed, and all those kind of kind of things. Yeah, and he is almost the only superhero of Britain, and he fights a never-ending war against a lot of supernatural shizzle. But he was one of um, one of Chris Claremont's favorites, and and a lot of people's Alan Moore's Alan Moore's most. One of his early celebrated runs is on Captain Britain. Yeah, Alan I know Moore, he, he one of the works greatest writers. That. So yeah, yeah, he he writes a lot of incredible stuff at the early days. So it's great to have him folded into the X Men universe because unfortunately, um, Marvel America has no real. They're not really bothered about publishing comics about any other country. <laughs> so if you can fold him into this kind of X Men based team, we'll talk about him. We'll publish mm. him. Uh, there's X Force, which used to be the New Mutants, which came about in the nineteen early nineteen eighties. That's a team of young mutants who were originally being trained by Professor Xavier and Magneto, and then they get turned into soldiers by this time traveling badass Cable, and ah. they are trained to fight in his war against Apocalypse. That's that's the X-Force team. Then there's Generation X. Generation X is basically like the New Mutants were meant to be the next stage of the X-Men, right? Mm. So the X-Men had all graduated from Xavier's Academy, Xavier's school, and they were now X-Men soldiers. So Xavier was like, well, we need a school of, of, of young students and then he took his eye off the ball. Cable arrived and was like, there's a freaking war coming and you're playing around. No. Come with me. I'm in charge. I'm your general, not your headmaster. And this is X-Force now, not the New Mutants. And we're <laughs> going to fight. We're going to get you ready to fight in this war against Apocalypse. And so after a while, Xavier and the X-Men were going like, well, we, we need that school again for the young kids. So they created something called Generation X. That's another comic book that's training the next generation of X-Men. And at the same time as all these teen books, Cable has his own monthly series. Mm. And Wolverine has his own monthly series. Eight 
monthly comics um, by between ninety four and ninety. Well, by the end of nineteen ninety four. Yeah. I just thinking. Uh, I remember I used to get two thousand AD, and then during the nineties, uh, they started doing Judge Dredd, his own comic. Judge Dredd magazine. Not magazine, magazine, magazine. Yeah. Because it was Mega City One. I know. Uh, is there enough Judge Dredd story to justify his own <laughs> his own uh, comic? Because he gets enough time in 2000 AD, which is essentially Judge Dredd's comic anyway. Mm, I, I I I would disagree because Judge Dredd, uh, the Judge Dredd strip in 2000 AD is what four five pages long, if that. Okay, we'll go with that. 2000 AD is a is a compilation. It's a companion. It's a companion of um, four to five different stories, mm. each having about three to four pages. So mm. you know, and the and the 2000 the, the Judge Dread world. So 2000 AD is Judge Dread. Yep. Which is its own you know world, the world of Mega City One or whatever. Yeah. Which they keep expanding. Mm, yeah. But then it's also all these other sci-fi stories and, and fantasy stories. Slain, Sinister Dexter, Finn. Um, but then you've got the ones that are just 2000, just Judge Dread World, like ABC Warriors. Yeah, ABC Warriors, yeah. Or, or uh, Strontium Dogs and things like that. So, oh, Strontium Dogs was in the same universe as Judge Dread. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They were bounty hunters in the Judge Dread universe. Um, they have this big crossover when Johnny Alpha dies. Um, very sad times. R.I.P. Love you, Johnny. That um, was that was anyway. uh, that was referenced in space, wasn't it? Who who was there? Who was there when Johnny Alpha died? Who was there for you when Johnny Alpha died? <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember that line. Um, that, was, that was a good line. Sidebar: I watched the for a while now because I, when I was a kid and, and massively into 2000 AD. The Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie came out, oh, yes. and I loved it. And I loved it. And to this day, I still have such fond fondness for it. And 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 it's not perfect, but it looks incredible, and it I does. still really it enjoy it. It does. It does look good, um, but unfortunately, you got Robert Schneider get like playing Rob Schneider. I don't care. I don't care. I really don't care. I love it. Um, you know, uh, Hammer, Hammer, Hammer. Whoa. Hammerstein's in it, and um, uh, Machine... Uh, wait, Met- wait, what's his name? Machine... Machine. God, what's his name? The guy with the dial on his head. Oh, Mean Machine. Mean Machine. I liked and when they got all him the, in it. All the Angel family is in it. Yeah. I loved it, man. There's the Cursed Earth, the Long Walk. There's his genetic clone brother. It was cool. But in the last how many years... Lots of old dudes, lots of old dudes, mainly Philip Vaughan, who runs my comic book shop, and a lot of his old dude brothers have been telling me that the Dread movie that came out recently mm. is amazing and fantastic, and it's dark and violent, and I watched it last week. Oh, no, and please it, don't. It sucks. No! It is average at best. And I was like, you people are desperate for there to be a sequel to this. It is utterly... I mean, it's 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 all right. It's not bad. It's as good as any... I would not... If I'd paid to see it in a movie, in the cinema, I would have been peeved off. It is just about... 
you know, oh. seven quid DVD, I wouldn't feel too objected to it. Or if I watched it on the telly, I would have been like, yeah, it was all right. I don't know. I I I I liked what they did, and I liked how they tried to get it as as to the ultra violence and ridiculousness of the comic. But at the same time, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I disagree with you. But at the same time, I'm like, I've had no urge to watch it a second time. No, but I've had no urge to nope. watch the Sylvester Stallone one a second time either. Oh, I watch it a lot. I didn't I didn't think he was a good <laughs> dread. Anyway, so. <laughs> Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, X-Factor, Excalibur, X-Force, Generation X, Cable, Wolverine. Eight X-Men monthly titles. Wow. So imagine the shock, Will. Imagine the shock of Marvel announcing to the entire comic book industry and all of the fans that they are going to cancel... Every single X-Men comic. What? Why did they do that? What the... That's exactly what they did in 1994. A hallmark of this boom period for Marvel and for X-Men in particular is the comic book crossover, the superhero crossover. So they, from the 1980s through to the early 90s, have stories like Inferno, The Mutant Massacre, Fatal Attraction, Executioner's Song. These stories cross over across all of the X-Men titles, Will. Mm. And they always lead to a surge in sales. So let's say that of those titles, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, Wolverine and Cable are the best sellers. Or maybe X-Force. You do a crossover... That's a storyline where, in order to enjoy the whole story, the whole event that's in your X Men comic and your Uncanny X Men comic and your Cable comic, you have to pick up parts three, five, and eight <laughs> in Excalibur, X Force, Generation X, whatever it might be. So, thus, by doing these events, you can sell extra copies. Of these other titles that aren't the most popular, but are still pretty popular. Yeah. That is a hallmark of, of the period of time. It's also important to know that this is a period of time when Marvel Comics is facing its stiffest competition ever. And I mean ever. Marvel had seen a huge, huge sales thanks to the dynamic artwork of, of superstar artists like... And we've talked about so much of this. Yeah. Todd McFarlane and then Eric Larson on Spider-Man. Rob Leefield on X-Force, which was... At, so, so yeah, X-Force had the highest selling comic of all time. and that, Thanks to Rob Leefield. And then it was Todd McFarlane on Spider-Man. Jim Lab Valentino on Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge success. Uh, Will Spatillo, Mark Silvestri, and Jim Lee on X Men were huge successes, especially Jim Lee in that in that spin off X Men title. And then, in one fell swoop, Marvel Comics lost every single one of those artists. Oof. All of them. All seven of these guys were freelancers for both Marvel and DC Comics. And they all knew. That it was their amazing artwork, especially the cover artwork, 
which was the hot thing selling comics in that period, late 80s, early 90s. And they wanted more. And they went to Marvel, and they went to DC, and they said, (laughs) we need a bigger slice of the pie. Because suddenly you're doing, like, X-Men number one is doing 8 million copies. Which is more than you would ever... I mean, that's an an insane number. Mm. It's like 100,000 copies was like the... The average, like, if you were doing under a hundred thousand copies of a comic book in the nineties, you were you were considered to be doing not very well, and you might be cancelled. Yeah, yeah. From that to eight million copies. Yeah, yeah. And Jim Lee is getting paid the same amount of money as if he had only sold one hundred thousand copies or two hundred thousand copies. You know, sorry, that's not quite true. Because the royalty share doesn't work like that. My apologies, I'm messing that up. What I'm saying is, he's not getting a bigger slice of the pie that he really requires. Because there is no other re. I mean, Chris Claremont is a huge driving force as well, but it is these superstar artists at the time that are that are that are driving sales in such a huge, huge way. So these seven artists, these seven freelancers, quit Marvel and DC at exactly the same time. They turn around and they create their own comic book company, Image Comics. Ooh. And it was a huge, huge success. Suddenly, the market goes from being Marvel and DC vying for, for top place and then a lot of middling ones to suddenly there's not just top two top two industries anymore. There's top three. Image are right in there. It's insane. Well, Hopefully one day we'll do the story of Image Comics, but but these guys, they they young superstars, they are far more in touch with the audience of the nineties and they explode with these new characters, these new superheroes, these exciting new universes. Suddenly there's insanely hot comics like Youngblood, Spawn, <laughs> Savage Dragon, and and Wildcats. Wildcats was so popular that they got their own Saturday morning cartoon series in 1994. Wow. This is serious, huge competition for Marvel. Well, I they, remember they, they had, I remember Spawn back in the late 90s. I think they, they released a film, didn't they, of Spawn? And everybody went mad for it for a bit. Yeah, and, and that's based off the success of because the comic book of Spawn was hugely successful, one of yeah. the biggest sellers in the industry, um, and there was a cartoon series after the fact, yep, um, yep. all sorts of all sorts of um, projects along the way. So the this is this is creating a lot of noise. It's grabbing a lot of attention. It's gobbling up a lot of the market, mm. and it is great for the industry. It is really great for the industry. Well, it's causing healthy competition and uh, rather than one company monopolizing it. Or two companies. Or two companies. Suddenly there's three companies at the top. Yeah. And suddenly that gives a little boost to things like... Because Malibu Comics were the the publishers for Image. Because Image Mm. didn't have their own infrastructure just yet. Dark Horse Comics gets a bit of a bump from this. Because Dark Horse Comics decide... You know, suddenly... When there's a boom... So... That's the old adage, right? A rising tide 
raises all boats, hmm. which is so true in in any industry. Yeah, that's but good. But if you've got if you if you bring all this attention to superheroes, everyone publishing a superhero does well. Hmm. Valiant Comics does incredibly well around this time as well for it for a, for a period of time, um, but it, it's just. Not entirely great for Marvel. <laughs> um, Marvel have these big creative summits where the artists and the writers would get together and plan the big upcoming stories. And Marvel know that they need to. They know they need something big, man. They 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 need something bold. They need something dynamic. They need something that is just as exciting as. As the brand new image comics, as created by young, cool, genuinely cool people, right? Mm. Rob Leefield is doing Levi Jean adverts. Todd McFarlane is getting featured by MTV for creating Spawn. These things are blowing up <laughs> on, on, in, in pop culture. Yeah. And Marvel is suddenly getting kind of left behind. Now, uh, Bob Harris, we talked about him in, in our mm. in our X Men animated episode. Legendary Marvel, um, well, legend, but also editor. He he was the group editor at the time of the X Men comics. So all mm. those comics we talked about, they all have an editor individually, but Bob Harris is the group editor to make sure all those comics are synced and in line, right? Mm. Wolverine can't die in X Men if he's in his own series. Yeah, <laughs> like Cable <laughs> can't lose a leg in X Force if he's got his. You know, so he's just he he's in charge of of the synchronicity and of getting the big ideas on board. But Bob Harris and and a guy called Scott Lobdell. Um, Scott Lobdell is is a writer and he's basically the guy that takes over from Chris Claremont. Mm. Now, this is the period of time that Chris Claremont fa- is phased out as the X-Men writer. After 16 years. After creating a freaking dynasty. <laughs> Claremont, Claremont is at odds with Jim Lee. Uh, Jim Lee is the superstar artist. Marvel, apparently, allegedly, take his side in some debates... That annoys Chris Claremont. Jim Lee then leaves, <laughs> but Chris Claremont is still deeply annoyed. Ooh. He starts to get phased out. Scott Lobdell becomes the like the lead mutant writer, the lead writer of the X-Men, the lead titles. And when they're planning the next big events, they come up with this idea, mainly Bob Harris, but Lobdell has this influence that what if Jubilee kind of walks into the X-Men mansion and is confronted with a team of X-Men that she does not recognize? Like, Ooh. what if she wakes yeah. up in a world where, yeah, like the old Twilight Zone episode, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. around her has changed, like, and everyone's saying, what's wrong, sweetie? What's wrong? Why don't you recognize us? Um, like one of those classic sci-fi episodes... The world around you goes mad and you're trapped inside it, right? This was the nugget of, 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 of their idea. What can we do 
that would change the X-Men completely. And and what they came up with with this story was an idea so big it would actually have to change the entire Marvel universe, mm. right? And that is the Age of Apocalypse story. Right, now, okay. Sidebar coming up, taking a swig of beer, bear with me. <laughs> I'll take some water. So, things get a little spicy now behind the scenes. I hope you're ready for this. And at the same time as this was being planned, our friends over in the X-Men animated series, Eric Lewald and all those wonderful people we talked about, Mm. they're planning something, Will, that is very, very similar. Um, An an episode of the X-Men animated series available on Disney+, Plus. Written by Richard Muller, and it's called One Man's Worth. And it's kind of like a... Um, oh, oh, this is disturbing me now. <laughs> what? It's gone out of my mind. It's like the most famous movie of all time. The Christmas movie with Jimmy Stewart. Oh, Angels. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a right, Wonderful Life. Thank you very there much. So it's kind of like an It's a Wonderful Life story mm. where Professor Xavier sees what a world would be like without him in it. Okay. And we see a world that is really, really similar to the Age of Apocalypse that we're about to talk about. And it is so similar in this cartoon series Mm. that it seems like it cannot be a coincidence. Yeah. One man's worth feels like it can't be a coincidence. Now the comic books came out before the cartoon. So you're tempted to say the cartoon is inspired by the comic books. Yeah. But if you look at the production timeline, the cartoon went into production before the comics came out. That right? is that is very odd. That's like uh, when Max so, Max Payne came out around the same time as the Matrix and they're going which one right. invented bullet time? There's a lot of different kind of ideas of this in, in, mm. in pop culture. Like when yeah. you get things like you had on, uh, you had like this um, Wyatt Earp, two conflicting Wyatt Earp Hollywood movies at the same time. Which Tombstone one? and Wyatt Earp. Oh, well, I didn't at know about the same the other one. time. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, well, which one came first? And they were both happening at the same time, and it's like, well, <laughs> uh, hang on. And neither one of them were ha- were influenced by the other. It just is. A coincidence. Mm. Um, so, I've read tons about this situation. Yeah, I've read the historical interviews and reports of Age of Apocalypse as told by the writers, artists, and editors that were putting it together, and not once have any of them ever mentioned the cartoon series and the episode One Man's Worth. Okay. I can't think of a single reason why they would uh, 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 not give that credit. There can't be. I. There cannot be a benefit to not giving them credit, can there? I. I. I I don't. I don't know. I. I I think it would settle any arguments or threats of. uh, What's 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 the what's what's the word I'm looking for? Where someone copies your idea. No, there won't be any of that because they're all they're all for the, working for the same people. 
Yes, well, I this thought... is two arms of a company doing something similar, and and uh, like the, these guys talk so much about how the story came about. It's Bob Harris in the shower one day, and it's Jubilee, and she thinks about this when she comes home, and then Scott Lobdell gives his twist on it, and then this person gives that twist on mm. it. They talk about the whole process of of the idea. Now, if you were to Google this, half the websites and blogs, genuinely half, say that one man's worth the cartoon episode inspired Age of Apocalypse... And the other half say Age of Apocalypse inspired one man's worth. <laughs> now, some of them say that the character redesigns are copied and exact. Those are lies. I have reviewed them. You have reviewed there them. There are no, I have reviewed them. There are no exact crossovers in character designs whatsoever the fact that they are like a Mad Max they're both set in a Mad Max dystopia Mm. means you will have common Mad Max dystopia tropes in terms of their designs but but no Um, it is I mean, it is up for debate. We'd love your opinions. If you have any, if you remember one or the other, please get in touch. I truly believe it is a Tombstone Wyatt Earp situation. Right. It is a coincidence. Um, I mean, it sounds awful lot like a coincidence. That being said, Bob Harris was responsible for appointing and staffing and consulting on X-Men the Animated Series. Mm. And Bob Harris is the group editor for the X-Men comics at this time. I find it bizarre if he is responsible for this crossover of information for it not to have been brought up, mentioned, talked about, discussed. It's not like he's still there in the same role. It's not like it would be an issue if it was connected or wasn't connected. You know, it's not a big deal. Maybe maybe they looked at it... This is going to sound weird, because if, if one happened after the other, then he could just say, well, one was inspired by it, or one is like an adaptation of it, or something like that. But the fact they happened at the same time... May- I, I, I'm trying to find a simple... I'm trying to find the Occam's razor, if you will, to this situation, mm. and it's really bugging me. The, the simplest the simplest answer is Bob Harris. Bob Harris is the... He's, the, he's patient zero between these two. <laughs> he's the connective tissue. He's the bridge between these two worlds. So I, I, I believe it has to be Bob Harris. It has to be a bleed-over of ideas... It's like what? What do we talk about? Blade and Whistler in Blade yeah. turns up in the animated series before the movie because the script was doing the rounds, and someone reads it, and then they copy the character, and it's not a big deal. It's not a suable offence. It's not a, you know. So there we go. Yeah, there we go. So that's the yeah. That's that now. While spitballing ideas, Will, for, for how to market and advertise these books, group editor Bob Harris, he's on the phone 
to the marketing department. And he yells out to the room of writers and artists, the guys in marketing are wondering how they're going to market this as a series. Mm. And Scott Lobdell, kind of the, not exactly lead writer, but thereabouts, as an offhand remark, yells back, Tell them we're cancelling everything. What? We're cancelling all the Xbox, and then we're going to start over with brand new number ones. So as an offhand remark, yells back. As an offhand remark. He's taking the mick. He's just mucking around. He's just screwing around. He's he's doing a Randy Marsh. He's like, tell them we're cancelling. They're cancelling all of them. We're going to start again. Tell them we're cancelling them. And Bob Harris hears this and goes, well, crap. That's a good idea. He told his and the, mark- the marketing department on the phone go, that's a great idea because oh, no. the biggest selling comics of the last five, six, seven years have all been new number ones. X-Force, oh. number one. The new Spider-Man, number one. The new X-Men, number one. And then all these Image comics, Spawn, number one. Youngblood, number one. Wildcats, number one. They've all been the biggest selling books. So Marvel have now been given the idea they can give all of their X-Men comics a brand new number one. And, and, and that is what is announced to the world that they're going to cancel all the existing comics and start again. But Marvel never announced to the public that this is a four, a limited series four-month event. Ah, right. right. There's the clincher. Because that would have ruined the story. <laughs> yes. And, and comic books at the time have done this a lot. So there's a period of time when... Very, very famously, Superman died. Yeah. The death of death, Superman death. Yeah. is one of the most famous comic books in, in history of comic books, American comic books, right? Yeah. Now, Mar- DC Comics did not say when this happened, this is uh, uh, like this is just a story and it's going to be undone in a couple of months, in a couple of weeks, because that kind of ruins the event and it takes you out of the story mm. and blah de blah, blah, blah Equally, there was a period of time when Superman had his powers completely transformed and he became a, um, a being of, like, electric blue energy rather than the Superman you know, right? Mm. And I can remember, I was a kid and I'm reading the trade magazines and people are losing their minds how dare you do this i cannot believe you have and i'm i'm a kid reading this going it's not gonna last it's just a freaking story why are you angry and it happened several decades later check out our uh, bonus episode on the superior spider-man dr octopus replaces peter parker as spider-man I am by this point a fully grown 30 something and these idiots are still writing in saying I cannot believe you would murder Peter Parker and betray <laughs> Stanley and Steve you fools and maybe maybe will 
It's because I grew up as a wrestling fan. And <laughs> I know when I'm being worked, brother. I know when someone... You're being played. Is, You're being played. I know when someone's laying a line on me yeah. for the per- benefit of entertainment, yep. for the purposes of entertainment, and so that I can enjoy the story and the journey anyway. But because they don't... Yes, Will? I was about to say, it reminds me when I was... Uh watching wrestling when i first started watching wrestling i remember what was it stephanie mcmahon the first time she decided no she's going with triple h yeah, yeah married she, to triple h yeah well did, did did triple h drive her when she was asleep to a drive drive through <laughs> wedding and and listen I, I remember how angry i was at the time watching that shot <laughs> and when, when she turned around and As went actually no I, I go no he's my husband now and it's like no you shouldn't do that and i was like i've been played here i have definitely been played Soap opera. There's nothing better. So, because they didn't announce what they were doing and the the end of it, because they didn't say, hey, listen, guys, this will all be over in a few months and it doesn't mean anything. Like, you can't do that. So, to the world at large, pre-internet, Will, pre-internet... There's no indication that this is a four-month-only event. This looked like, according to Marvel press releases, the end of the X-Men line entirely. Right? Yeah. Fans panicked. They got mad. Readers were ringing up the Marvel offices every day, every day, to yell and complain that their X-Men comics, the ones they've been reading since the 70s, maybe the 80s, maybe the 60s, have been cancelled. And every comic, every X-Men comic got cancelled. And and new ones were launched. Every single X-Men character got a complete redesign. Now, that's controversy. Hmm. Do you know what controversy creates? Attention. Controversy creates cash. Uh, that's First, it word. creates attention. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Controversy does create attention. Con- the three C's, brother. Controversy creates cash. Age of Apocalypse was a huge, unmitigated success right across the board. It was exactly... The, 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 the hot, dynamic, exciting new thing that, that Marvel Comics needed when they were planning. Sales went through the roof. It's exactly what they needed to compete with Image Comics and their, here's a new superhero, here's a new super team, here's a new universe. Marvel were, were, were carrying on characters. Here's the next thing a superhero's doing. Here's the next thing the super team is doing. Hmm. This is a way to say, oh crap, we're under attack. No, that's all done. Here is eight new superheroes, super teams. Here's a brand new universe. Here is essentially a mini image comics right here for you featuring characters and names and things you, you kind of already know. It is a creatively 
brilliant idea and it is a shrewd business move. I don't know how intended that was. Um, but sales <laughs> go through the roof, right? Um, Ken Lashley. Ken Lashley is um, the artist he was working on Excalibur, which became, under the Age of Apocalypse, Excalibur. Hey! I see right? what they did there. Marketing. Great. That looks good on a logo. He's very new to, to, to major comics. Yeah. And he said, and at the time, so Marvel Comics needed their sales, their average sales should be 100,000 copies a month to stay above being cancelled. Yeah. Right? Now, Excalibur, the comic, was doing 95,000 copies a month. That was below... Right now, that would be a top 10 comic in the in, in America. But at the time, in the 90s, the, 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 the industry was so much bigger yeah. that that was actually below average. That meant you were close to cancellation. <sighs> then the first Age of Apocalypse Excalibur comic sold over four times what the last issue did. It went from 95,000 to over 400,000 copies. So the controversy worked. Big time. Not just the controversy, man. Like, not just the controversy. Like, the interest, the, the, the the dynamicism and the... The, the attention, yeah. And and Ken Lashley has been interviewed about this, and he said, I got a percentage check from that first issue, and I bought a house with it, <laughs> and I still live in that house to this day. Oh, my God. Incredible. That is the sales success of Age of Apocalypse. But at the same time, Will... At the same time, folks, this incredible crossover marks the end of the boom period of comic books, the end of the boom period of Marvel, and and, and this crossover marks the beginning of the decline and the beginning of the bankruptcy of Marvel Comics. All to come at the end of this episode. Okay, so how does the Age of Apocalypse start? Ha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it all begins with an X-Men character that you have asked me about before <laughs> and we've not been able to talk about until now, I guess, and that character is Legion. Legion. Yes. Okay, who is Legion? Who is Legion? Because I recognise the TV show name, and I'm, I'm a bit. Ooh, yeah, and hopefully we'll get to play around with that at some point. Um, yeah. In 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 1985, we learn that our saint-like Professor Charles Xavier has a bastard child out of wedlock. Oh, the <laughs> cheeky man! That he didn't know about, uh, David Haller. Okay. Who he had with um, a woman called Gabrielle Haller, and 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 David Haller is a mutant with a tragic history, a 
a split personality and and lots of powers um so when we first meet him one personality has uh telepathy mm. one personality has telekinetic powers like Jean Grey and and one personality has pyrokinetic powers the ability to create and manipulate fire just through the, through the power of of the mind and he's caused problems with Xavier and the X-Men um for 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 a while he's possessed by um an evil spirit he murdered Mystique's lover destiny and and he ended up in in a coma for a long period of time in the mid 90s legion wakes up from this coma apparently according to him with his mind fully healed and intact mm. and he is possessed thanks to so he killed mystique's lover destiny right now destiny is a mutant who can see the future and legion is david haller right Legion is David Howard. Right, I, I, I was just thinking, wait a minute, Lee, this is the same person, right? You haven't skipped yeah. over his name, cool, right. No, 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 yes, sorry, my apologies. I, I, I assume everyone has a working knowledge of biblical fiction um, <laughs> in which Legion is synonymous with multiple personalities yeah. and multiple beings and things, yes. Mm. So... Um, he he wakes from this coma with this uh, apparently healed mind and this vision of a future that destiny gave him and this this vision is of a utopian world a world which should have existed if only his father charles xavier had been given a real chance to fulfill his dream of peace between mutants and humans mm. but that never ever happened charles never got there he's had many years to do it but he's had all these things in in, in the way so legion david uses his vast psychic powers to enter charles xavier's mind mm. and try to convince xavier that true peace will only ever be achieved if he kills Magneto and gets him Ooh, out of the way. But that would create a very dull narrative. <laughs> but 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 his point his point is that Magneto has since the beginning been getting in Charles's way. Yeah, exactly. Um but Xavier completely rejects this idea. Mm. Completely rejects the idea of murder. Would. I knew he would. So Legion decides to prove to his father that he is right and that Magneto is the one standing in in the way of Utopia. So you're telling me that a mutant has a vision of Utopia and after being sold, no, you can't do it like that by his dad, he goes out and does it single-handedly. How does he even do that? That sounds... Yeah, that sounds crazy. How does he do it? He travels back in time. Of course he does. There we go. The cat, the catch-all <laughs> narrative saver in the Marvel timeline. Oh, how do we how do we solve the problem where Thanos evaporated half of the planet? Ah, they kind of invent a time machine in record At time. At this point, 
at this point, they hadn't done any of that. Okay, okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'll let them off this one time. He 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 travels in in time to 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 do this. Um, something that was hinted at, Will, before his coma, is that Legion doesn't just have three split personalities with three different powers. Yeah, he has countless split personalities. And each of them possesses a different psychic power. Ah, so okay. He he potentially has countless powers, and the only thing that's ever been in holding him back was his his mental break, his psychic breakdown. Um, Legion has been called the God Mutant, and with his mind apparently healed, he has access to all these vast psychic powers and he he demonstrates that in a brief fight with the x-men by taking storm back in time to the moment when her parents died to begin with the x-men think this is just a mental illusion like he's been able to do in the past Mm. but it then becomes apparent that legion does very much have the ability to transport himself and other people through time. Okay, so a couple of questions here. Uh, so is his time travel completely through psychic energy or something or some kind of mystical thing that's, that's explained, or did he invent a time machine? <laughs> no, no, no time machine. It's, it's, it's uh, nothing mystical. It's entirely mutant-based psychic powers yeah that is insane that is just insane so i take it with this then his plan is pretty much kill magneto in the past right go back kill him yeah yep terminate yeah there we go um absolutely but but the, the, the tricky part is that legion knows um legion knows that xavier's dream and his plan for the X-Men and his plan for a better world starts with his friendship with Magneto. Mm. It, it is a dream that, uh, to begin with, that they share, they have together. Before things go all wrong and before Magneto starts to become harder and, 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 and take a harsher path. Mm. So Legion doesn't want to kill Magneto as a baby mm. because that might... Um, that might um, impact and 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 corrupt uh, and stop, in fact, Xavier's utopian dream. He has to find the right time in the timeline. Right. Okay. Xavier and Magneto were working together at a military hospital in Israel, where their friendship began and where their conversations led to Xavier's final dream of of uh, a peaceful utopia. So that's what Legion travels back to. Now, he's not on his own. The X-Men uh, try to go back and stop him. Amongst them, the time-traveling X-Man, Bishop. Um, if you're not aware of Bishop, he comes from a far-flung dystopian future yeah I, i've heard about him i think he's been in the cartoon he has yeah, I remember yeah, him in the extensively cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and he, he comes back to the modern day and ends up kind of trapped in the modern day so he joins the x-men now bishop 
tries to stop Legion in the past. They go back 20 years into the past to Israel. He fights Legion, but Bishop fails. They have this big battle. And, and Legion ends up attacking Magneto with a deadly... Um, a psychic blade, a, a lot like Psylocke uses from the comics and from the, the movie. Mm. If you stab someone in the brain with a psychic blade, it will kill them dead. <laughs> wow. Um, and he's as, completely... as, as opposed to a normal knife, which doesn't kill you dead Absolutely, if you stab them yes, in the brain. Course, yeah. but it, it, it's, <laughs> what sorry, I'm saying sorry. is it's conjured of psychic energy rather than steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know. I just and, couldn't, I couldn't resist that. I was like, come on. <laughs> what are you trying to sell me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Legion is completely convinced that this will create a perfect utopia where Xavier's dreams all come true, and he will prove his father that he was right, heal all those wounds, heal the world, Mm. and then at the last second, Mm. Xavier, the selfless man, young Xavier, throws himself in front of his best friend, and Legion... Instead of killing Magneto, no. kills his own father. No, 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 no. Oh, oh. Xavier's a, done. And dare I ask what happens when Xavier dies? Because I can see what's going to happen. Well, Legion creates a paradox. Yeah. He's killed his father before he himself has been oh. conceived. And this creates a a paradox that threatens all of reality. Now, I was about to say, um, this this, this, this would be so simple if it wasn't his dad. So he'd just like, oh, stab the wrong person, go back in time five minutes, try again. Absolutely. If he just killed Magneto, no problem. Now, we also, we need to pay a little bit of attention to uh, a cosmic artifact called the M-Cran Crystal, which exists out in Shi'ar space. The Shi'ar are an alien race that have deep ties to the X-Men because Professor Xavier shags around <laughs> and has had a long, sweaty, sweaty connection to the Shi'ar Empress Landra. He shagged now, around so much he's lost the use of his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Actually. Uh, they... He shagged around so much he got the use of his legs back. Oh, um, what a legend. He'd yeah, be great on an 80 went, to 30 holiday. He went into space, shagged Lalandra, and then her people fixed his legs. Um, because, you know, when you are you are Professor X and you've got that good D, um, your missus will really heal the whole shebang that needs to be healed. Get you back on track. <laughs> get you out of that wheelchair and well, into that kimono, walking yeah. upright, talking proud. God, the man is some kind of intergalactic stud. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised didn't you have sex the planet. That's what I'll say. You, you can't keep Charlie X down. Charlie so, X. But, oh, God. One of, one of the, the key points in, 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 in X-Men's other cosmic um, masterpiece, the, the Phoenix Saga, is there mm. is this, this thing called the M-Cran Crystal. Now, the M-Cran, yeah. The M-Cran Crystal is kind of a bit 
airy fairy wishy washy cosmicy plot device can be used for whatever right right but what it appears to be is deeply sensitive to fluctuations in the space time continuum mm. so when the phoenix was wiping out stars and decimating galaxies the mcran crystal reacted very badly to that and there's a, a huge religion based around the mcran crystal now during this period of time of legion going back in time this is a storyline called legion quest legion the quest. mcran legion quest yeah. the mcran crystal is uh playing up like buggery uh, to put it <laughs> yeah. mildly, yeah, it is reacting to huge fluctuations in the space-time continuum. Mm. And now that Legion has created an impenetrable paradox, he has killed his own father before his father conceived him in order for him to exist to kill his own father an impenetrable paradox it, it threatens all of, of reality and the mcran crystal this this glorious ancient cosmic whatever essentially what it does is to correct things it wipes out the 616 universe as we know it. Ah, there we go. Does that is that how they tie into the creating a brand new X-Men comic from the start? And what we get in yeah. its place yeah. is the age of apocalypse. Yeah. So Charles Xavier never forms the X-Men. <laughs> because he dies 20 years beforehand. Yeah. Worse than that. When Legion is fighting Bishop 20 years in the past, Apocalypse took notice. Apocalypse saw a powerful, powerful mutant in the public eye. And that altered history as well. Legion's actions cause Apocalypse to rise in the world 20 years earlier than he did in the regular timeline. So Apocalypse begins his conquest of Earth 20 years before the Marvel Age, 20 years before Avengers, 20 years before Fantastic Four, and 20 years before Xavier, because he's dead, no one is there to stop him. Okay, so what year are we talking around? Because I'm trying to calculate this now. Oh, I mean, depending on the timelines, what year are we talking around? No, sliding time scale. Sliding time scale. So Great. if this is 1995... Yeah, 20 years before. Then you can you can do it from that. Tw- okay, so, but, so it's at 1975. Okay. But, but that doesn't tie in because, according to us... Marvel begins in the 1960s. You don't have to think about years. You never have to think about years with Marvel. Sliding timescale. Okay, I just wanted to get get a better picture of uh, of the world. This happens 20 years before the Fantastic Four become the Fantastic Four and the Marvel Universe begins. So it's after Captain America and World War II, Mm. but it's 20 years before whenever the Fantastic Four become the fantastic four okay okay 
So this is going to be a very different world then. Uh, right, what are the differences? Let's go through that. Well, that is a really cool thing about Age of Apocalypse. Instead of like immediately showing you like the history and what happened in the timeline of this new world, Marvel throw the readers in at the deep end. We are thrown in at the modern day of this new universe. <laughs> it, it, it starts with essentially that really cool moment that the, the Bob Harris and Scott Lobdell had when they were planning the event. That shock mm. moment of someone going, oh crap, who are these people calling themselves the X-Men? So the first issue of the Age of Apocalypse, we see a powerful team of mutants saving a wandering madman from Apocalypse's, you know, evil mm. forces. And this team of mutants call themselves the X-Men and they are being led by Magneto. Oh, I like this. I like this. Of course, uh, with the Apocalypse, uh, you know, pretty much heading up everything, calling his, calling his organization the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants would be the most sarcastic thing ever. <laughs> It would. Indeed. It would. Indeed. Mm. Wow. So, um, uh, what? How did the? I, I don't know. I, I got loads of questions about 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 this because I I I I'm amazed they still came to the name X Men. But why is Magneto leading the X Men? In 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 this in this timeline, um, everything that we talked about has happened as it happened. So Xavier sacrificed himself to save his best friend ah. and and magneto was right there he he, he yeah. this is how legion quest ends legion quest ends with magneto holding his best friend's body and promising his dying friend xavier that he will carry out his dream of peace between mutants and humans so when the time came mm. in in this timeline magneto creates the x-men to honor charles's memory so they are named after xavier they are named for uh, xavier yeah that makes a lot of sense that's a lot of sense and magneto leads the team with his wife rogue what <laughs> i mean he's got good taste but what <laughs> is he being a saucy man again? Is he is he is he going, well, Charles Xavier's had sex with an entire planet. I, I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna go for the most attractive one of the X-Men. I'm gonna have Rogue. What? Well the, the, there's actually some background to this in the 616. There's there's a storyline where Rogue is abandoned on her own and trapped in the savage land which is a world um an area of the antarctic which is like a prehistoric world with dinosaurs and stuff yeah and magneto is the only other person there and they have this little romantic passionate frisson when there's just the two of them they mm. save each other they protect each other they're wet like he's topless she's wearing like a like just like a, a a rag tag bikini. It's very hot and sweaty and very Raquel Welsh. 
Very Raquel. It certainly, yeah. certainly is, yeah. yeah. In in this world, they have a child together. Oh. They have a little boy called Charles. <laughs> of course. Charles Lensher. Um Now, Rogue has to use a robot nanny because she is unable to touch her own little oh, baby boy. Actually, wait a minute. How do they have sex? Mm, I forget, but I imagine it is Magneto's control of electromagnetic fields creating some sort of, I don't know, impenetrable friction. I'm not 100%. Not 100%. That's incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. Um, But that's not the only different coupling. Mm. We also see in this first issue... Jean Grey and Wolverine together as passionate lovers in this world. And Cyclops is nowhere to be seen. Well, he's not nowhere to be seen. He's nowhere near the X-Men. Right. Um, Wolverine is not Wolverine in this world. He is Weapon X. Ah. And Cyclops and his brother Havoc are um, prelates, which... Mm. High-ranking bishops, high-ranking clergymen who work for Apocalypse's right-hand man, one of the four horsemen, Mister Sinister. So it's a real shifty. It's like one of these RPGs that where you go, okay, I'm creating a new game, and everything gets shuffled around in the character roles. It's like, oh god, everything's changed. Yeah. Everything's changed, Mister Sit. Oh god, so it's really. Oh, it's really I, it's a it's uh, it's huge. It is huge changes across the board. This is this is a lot to take in because it's a massive shift and change, not only of the characters but the world itself. So we've barely begun, Will. Oh God, we're, we're, in for, <laughs> we're in for a roller coaster here. So, who are the X Men in this timeline? Then who is the team? There's a large bunch when we start, and they get split into <laughs> into two teams. So there's the Astonishing X-Men. Yeah. Uh, Rogue is the leader. And on this team, we have Morph. Ah, oh, okay. Morph looks like an array, a giant eraser. He has a giant re- uh, white blank head (laughs) he doesn't have hair he has eyes he has a mouth but he looks like a giant white eraser sticking at the top of a pencil what kind Um, of mouth and eyes does he have because i'm picturing cartoony smiley face ish yeah now he he, he's a mix of the comic book character changeling Mm. and the popular cartoon series character morph that we talked about yeah. He is a combination of the two. We have uh, Blink, who can teleport across great distances. Now, Blink was introduced in Generation X. Well, no, she wasn't. She was introduced in a crossover series called The Phalanx Covenant um, as one of the new mutants that that was going to take over from the X-Men she was popular in that series, mm. but she died right before the end, and it felt like a big mistake because she was really popular. She gets a second chance here in mm. the Age of Apocalypse, and she is um, 
a badass, whereas Blink in the 616 universe, like her defining feature was she was so painfully shy that her speech bubbles were tiny letters that you had to strain <laughs> to read. In Age of Apocalypse, she's a freaking badass, and she becomes a huge fan favourite in, in this series. Yeah. Also on this team is Sunfire, Sunfire, you might remember from the 1970s relaunch of the X-Men. He joins the team along with Storm and Colossus and Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Here, he is the last survivor of Japan. Apocalypse, Apocalypse and his four horsemen have wiped out Japan. Wow. And uh, Sunfire was rescued slash kidnapped and had his, his mutant powers pushed by Mr. Sinister and some other people we'll talk about in a minute, far beyond their what they should be. Genetic experiments. He's, he's basically no longer human. He is now like boiling solar energy trapped in a, in a containment suit. Ooh, um, wow. And one, one of the other big, big characters of the Astonishing X-Men mm. is Sabretooth. Ah, this is an interesting twist. Okay. Now, 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 Sabretooth in this world was originally one of horse, one of Apocalypse's horsemen, but mm. if you can believe it, had a moral, ob- like a moral issue with genocide and, <laughs> and, and all of this murder. That's where the breaks lie. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with ruining people's lives and petty horrible acts towards Wolverine and people around him. But you know what, mate? Uh, in large numbers, it loses its art. <laughs> so he kind of, like, turned his back on Apocalypse. Oh, God. And, and Sabretooth becomes an X-Men. Okay, cool. He becomes a partner of Logan. And he, he, he ends up becoming, like... A role model for younger mutants. He he basically plays the Wolverine role <laughs> in this universe. He's a former feral madman turned gruff but lovable tough guy. Gr- gruff but lo- was Wolverine lovable? Yeah, of course he was. He was he was he was well enjoyed. But I I would never consider him lovable. That lovable's too no, much. He was, c- word. No, he 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 saved people. He's a hero. Of course he's lovable. And. And the last member of this team is is sort of there by default. So Sabretooth was in Apocalypse's slave camps with a like a, uh, a a torture prison guard called Wild Child. Now Wild Child is very similar to Wolverine and Sabretooth. Mm. He's that feral animalistic kind of mutant in the six one six universe. Here, it's the same. But he was meant to be like the person in charge of torturing Sabretooth. Mm. But what actually happened is Sabretooth, in like a pack animal kind of way, dominated him, broke his spirit, <laughs> and basically said, you're part of my pack. I look after you, I protect you, but you do what I say. Yeah. And so this Sabretooth hero character keeps Wild Child on like literally a chain leash <laughs> to stop him from hurting other people uh, but he basically keeps him as a pet and protects him um that 
That is the wild, astonishing X-Men. The other team that Magneto has is the amazing X-Men. Now, his son, Quicksilver, is the leader of that team. And on, on that team, we also have Storm, Dazzler, Banshee, Iceman, and... A character called Exodus. So now, this is a, what, what, what is the deal with the second team? Sorry, there are just two. two well, they need. There, there's a lot of team. There's a lot of X Men. Right. Because of what's about to happen, there need to be two distinct teams. Okay, sorry. But sorry, that, yeah. that being said, in the regular six one six universe, there are already two teams. There's a gold team and a blue team because there's just so damn many X Men. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so Exodus, you were so, saying. Amazing X-Men, Quicksilver, Storm, Dazzler, Banshee, Iceman, and Exodus. Now, Exodus is is not in the 616. He's like Sabretooth. He's not associated with the X-Men. He is part of Magneto's um, cabal of like like religiously fervent followers called the mm. Acolytes. So he's a very powerful dude, and he's here... And yeah, these these are some of the only heroes in this bleak dystopia. Okay, speaking of bleak dystopia, how bad is the world under Apocalypse's rule? Well, he uh, Apocalypse instigates the, which is his mantra since the a seventy since the eighties, survival of the fittest, the strong survive and nothing else. Right, so. Mm. Apocalypse and his powerful horsemen begin, right from the start of their reign, committing genocide against humanity. Oof. If you don't have powers, we kill you. Um, the humans that are left are kept as slaves, oh. as are some mutants, to, 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 mainly to work in factories and mines and industry. And mutants live a better life depending on how strong their powers make them. Okay. Right? Okay, sounds pretty horrible. Uh, and due to his obsession with, with mutant powers and strength, humans and mutants alike are experimented on by Apocalypse's favourite geneticists. Mr. Sinister, mm-hmm. the Sugar Man, <laughs> who is like this giant head... <laughs> He's this giant head with like little arms and like little feet. Oh god! He's 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 absolutely horrible to look at. Uh, the sugar man. The sugar man. The sugar man. <laughs> We're gonna give Will a moment here, folks. Oh, it's not just because of the Simpsons reference. It's just because ah, my most favourite geneticist in all of this horrible genociding regime that's taken over the world all tremble in fear but in front of the sugar man <laughs> and the other terrifying, twisted, perverted geneticist yes. is by the name of Henry Hank McCoy. No. Oh, the beast. No. He he's evil. Utter, utter pervert. Utter evil pervert. Sinister, disgusting, deadly, and 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 they each perform terrifying and evil experiments, warping humans and mutants into into creating 
monsters or doing like what they did to uh, Sunfire, pushing power levels to insane degrees yeah. where they'll die immediately. Oh my god! Still good. Good about the sugar, man. <laughs> first one about first one about the sugar, man. I, I I'm taking that as a way as a moment of positivity from what appears to be a horrible future. So. If Apocalypse controls America, what does the rest of the world look like considering Japan has been wiped out? Oh, not just Japan. So uh, Apocalypse used his power and technology to create Mm. a huge security perimeter around North America. He raised the sea levels to create like an artificial sea wall. And then he has these defense stations, which will just obliterate, like 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 technological defense stations, which will obliterate anything in the air that tries to approach America. Now, creating this seawall completely submerges Central America. They're gone. They're all dead. And it floods mm. South America. And then there was also a nuclear strike on South America turning it into a wasteland called the Atrocity Zone. Um, so that's... I don't think Canada gets mentioned, which is weird, but... Oh, no, North America. It must be all yeah, of Canada if, if, as if, well. If sometimes um, North America, they go, it's America yeah, it is, and yeah. Canada. Ge- and it's like... Yeah, ge- geographically it is. Geographically, yeah. it's the North America, so it would be uh, Canada as and, well. And probably Alaska as well. So... the. The rest of the world is under the leadership of the Human High Council. Um, they're based out of London, and it, that's that. That is every other. If you're human, that's the rest of the world, mm. and and they have floods when possible of human refugees from North America coming in to the to to Europe and 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 Africa, trying to escape. They use North Africa very tellingly as this um this reference point for how it was during the second world war yeah. if you remember during the second world war if you've ever seen the film casablanca mm. north america was the way in which people fleeing the nazi empire uh, the third reich could get into europe through casablanca through north africa yeah, yeah. um so it's used here in 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 to to create the same kind of idea but in a reverse capacity you're fleeing north america into uh into um uh, north africa and into europe into that europe. way rather than fleeing into america from europe okay um, i i'm going to need to ask uh, sorry you got some more to say just that the, the 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 reason so it's not like all out war yeah that's important yeah. to know there's basically like a standoff like a cold war standoff apocalypse is obviously massively powerful mm. but the human high council have not just fleets of sentinels our old friend bolivar has made um, <laughs> fleets and fleets and tons and tons of sentinels to protect humans, but also um, they have like the biggest arsenal of nuclear weapons. They could wipe out America in in you know with the press of a button. So yeah. Okay, I got several questions here. I got several questions uh, that I'm going to 
go through. Uh, okay, I need more information about this sea wall. So the sea levels have risen. I don't have any. I, I, I knew this was going to because I'm trying to happen. imagine it, and it's try. It's really weird. So the sea levels have risen, but they have a wall. Is that a, 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 a constructed wall? Right. Imagine a tidal wave that doesn't move. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that's mental. Yes. And is that apocalypse constantly thinking and make, keeping it in place with psychic powers or? It's never explained. Okay. I mean, it's, he's got some reality warping things anyway, so he could just say, around this area, water goes. Like- I don't think. I don't. I don't. I don't think he does. Oh, I, I'm thinking someone else then, aren't I? I, I think this is mainly tech. Mainly tech. Okay, that sounds crazy. Um, w- would the nuclear weapons of the Sentinels be enough to put in- into a standoff, or is it the sheer number of them that makes it so? Because it sounds like Apocalypse would just walk all over everything. Because I always imagine him being extra powerful, and plus he's got you know loads of mutants on his side. It is very much presented in this story... Mm. As a complete stalemate. Okay, okay. There's no further details. There, whatever. If Apocalypse invades Eurasia mm. uh, or, or Africa or the rest of the world, they will get wiped out. America, North America, will get wiped out. If if the humans decide to attack and decimate North America, then all the mutants will attack the rest of the world. It feels very... that That's how it is presented, yeah. Okay, okay, just making it's sure. It's a complete... So moving a little bit away from the X-Men, I take there are no Avengers or Fantastic Four or any other Marvel heroes in this timeline, are there? Well, no, because because Apocalypse, Apocalypse rose to power 20 years before the the Marvel Age began. And powers began, and all those, all those um, accidents of fortune and marvelous events took place. So, there's a comic in this series called X Universe, mm. which is a look at the notable humans during Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. So we see Tony Stark, Doctor Donald Blake, Carol Danvers, Clint Barton. They all work for the Human High Council as resistant fighters. None of them gain superpowers. And oh. perhaps the most Im- important figure in the human resistance in this in this X Universe story is Gwen Stacy. Oh, hello. Who is shown to be smart, strong, and resourceful, and she's kind of the POV character as well. Mm. Um, now Bruce Banner is there. And he works for the Human High Council, but Banner turns out to be a double agent working for Apocalypse. Oh, God. And he is then mutated into a grey Hulk-like creature who is ironically called The Thing. Oh, I like what they did there. (laughs) this, This reminds me of Superman Red Sun quite a lot. It's there's that. Why well, we... yeah, that 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 is because Superman Red Son is influenced hugely by Marvel's What If series, uh, where yeah, yeah. they take characters and they postulate an imaginary story in a different timeline, but they always 
work it back to well what would Iron Man be like in this what would Hulk be like in this what would Wolverine be like in this imaginary world this different storyline and yes the Red Sun is one of the most uh, popular Else Worlds. The Else World series itself is born really out of Age of Apocalypse, um, in my mind. Um, but you are I right. I mean, that, that yeah. would make sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. just the first thing that came to mind. Uh, so, what about the rest? Uh, what about the rest of the X Men? You mentioned Wolverine. Uh, what's he doing? He's loving it up well, with Jean Grey. Let's take a trip. Let's take a trip through the uh, the world. So, yeah. Uh, originally, uh, Magneto did what Xavier wanted to do and planned to do and dreamed of doing. Magneto created a school to train young mutants, and it was all based around his two children, Wanda and Pietro. And and so his original team was Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver. Mm. Iceman, Storm, Jean Grey and Colossus and soon enough they were joined by Rogue and by a wild feral Logan called Weapon X Uh Um, now uh, during this time Magneto had Jean Grey use her psychic powers to calm Logan's rages and to, you know, stop him being so feral and get him to be more of a man, and 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 that basically created this this unbreakable bond between them, which mm. became a romance, and 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 that's how they got together. When Apocalypse made his first strike on humanity, he targeted a nuclear base called Cape Citadel. Now, mm. Cape Citadel. If uh, if you are a long-term Marvel fan, you will know. It's a nice little nod to X-Men issue 1 in the early 60s because Cape Citadel is where the X-Men first battle Magneto when Magneto was attacking humanity for the first time. So oh, that was okay. a nice little nod there. So um, during that period of time, you have Magneto's X-Men fighting Apocalypse's horsemen for the for the very first time. And during that battle, uh, Sabretooth basically abandons Apocalypse and his mission and, mm. and ends up joining the X-Men and becoming allies with Logan with Weapon X. S- Sabretooth and Wolverine in this universe are, you know, fighting allies rather than the worst kind of, of, of enemies. Things go wrong with the X-Men when Jean Grey gets captured by Mr. Sinister and he takes her to his camps for experimentation, which is bleak Ooh. and grim. Yeah. Um, we- Logan Weapon X is like, we have to go and get her. And Magneto is, no, we cannot send our... We only have a small number of resistance fighters. It is a fool's mission to go into a Apocalypse's freaking home to try and rescue one person. Now, Logan, of course, completely will not go along with that. Mm. So he goes on his own to free Jean Grey Ooh. and gets into a battle with Mr. Sinister's top uh, Praetorian, basically, Cyclops. <sighs> they get into this pitch battle. Wolverine 
guts out one of Cyclops's eyes. Oh! Cyclops, using his optic blast, bl- destroys and cuts off one of Wolverine's arms. <laughs> so Wolverine's got like a stump arm. Cyclops is blind in one eye. That's how they get out of, of that freaking thing. But Weapon X rescues Jean Grey. And together they think, well, F this. They they leave the X-Men mm. and decide to go their own path fighting against the Apocalypse. They become... They basically end up running um, secret Black Ops missions for the Human High Council out of London. Oh, wow. I take it his arm grows the, back, right? Nope. Why not? Mm, good question. Um, so, Wolverine's healing ability mm-hmm. post this era okay. is presented as being godlike. Yeah. That he could regrow limbs. That has not always been the case. It has not always been presented as being able to regrow fingers mm. or limbs or or rescue him from death. It has been a healing fact. It's been like if you're playing a role-playing game mm. and you have a healing factor, it doesn't mean you're freaking immortal. <laughs> it means... If you get stabbed or shot, you prob- you can get back to... After a period of time, you can heal yourself, right? Mm. Now, in recent years, Wolverine's healing factor has made him immortal, invulnerable, <laughs> unkillable. It was not always that way. In the 80s, he was very vulnerable. In the 90s, the same. So, yeah, um, it, it was not, it's not at that godlike unbeatable level yet mm, so that what okay. it wasn't like they had to work around something to convince people he couldn't grow it back at the time in the 1995 it was perfectly acceptable <laughs> that he he was not a god um <laughs> uh swig of water for the working man no worries man you're working well uh okay so the the, the magneto Starts to attract other mutants to the cause. Gambit, Kitty Pride, Nightcrawler, they all come on board, join the X-Men, uh, Banshee joins, and, and all these other all these other mutants uh, over the over the years. Gambit has this passionate love affair with Rogue. Ooh, as you'd no. expect and imagine from the six one six universe. Um yeah. and he asks he asks her to leave the X-Men. And basically, like, run off with me and be a wild, free spirit and we'll just shag and steal and eat cheese and drink wine all over the world. There's there's, there's whole other continents where Apocalypse isn't. Let's go and live there. But Rogue, mm. before she can make a decision about that, in the heat of battle... Rogue is faced with a choice of saving Magneto's life or Gambit's life. And she chooses not to save Gambit, the person she's kind of getting with. She chooses to save Magneto, her her leader. And Gambit doesn't quite die, but he is heartbroken by this. Absolutely heartbroken. So 
after that battle is over, he flees the X-Men, travels the world, and forms his own band of uh, mutant thieves called the Externals. Now, <laughs> oh, I see a pattern. It's at this point that you really need to realise how much of the team names and all of that stuff is just marketing. There is no logical storyline reason for this team to be called Externals. Yep. Externals already exist in the Marvel Universe and they've got nothing to do with this. So that's going to keep coming up (laughs) because there's another one. Nightcrawler is in a team book called X, the letter X, Calibre, as we talked about. Yeah. Based on nothing, right? Okay. I... uh... I'm trying to figure out where the origin comes from. When when he said that, but oh, X Men because of Charles Xavier's dream. It's like, oh yeah, that works. But anything else? No, yeah, no, no, no. So Kitty Pride and Colossus um, fall in love, and, and 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 then Colossus loses his appetite for war. One of the big factors of the Age of Apocalypse is that Apocalypse's brother Mikhail is one of Apocalypse's four horsemen. Hmm. So Colossus is forever having to wage this war against his own brother, which is Ooh, brutal. No. So when he loses his appetite for war, Magneto says, right, you and Kitty, you go and set up the school to train the young mutants. Okay, mm. You go and do that. And that is called Generation Next. How big is the X in the word next? How big is it's that X? As, it's as big as the letter N, let me tell you. There we go. I knew it. I knew it. I could be in marketing. And and that of course replaces the book Generation X. Yeah. Um, there's also a strange wrinkle, which doesn't seem very connected to the teams, but uh, but would end up being the most popular character in the whole event. Okay. When Mister Sinister has Jean Grey in his like experimentation camps, and he has Cyclops as his chief cleric or whatever. Mm. He uses their genetic material to artificially create a child of the two of them that mm. none of them knew about. And he artificially ages this, this, this child and he calls this child Nate Grey. Ah. And Nate Grey is Sinister's ultimate mutant specimen. And he is a weapon. He is an Omega-level mutant, vast powers, and he intends to use Nate Grey against Apocalypse at oh. some point in the future. So, so Mr. Sinister isn't really happy at being under Apocalypse then? Oh, no, and that's evident from the start. Mr. Sinister is always looking for the next angle. Whatever what? universe you are in, hmm. Sinister is looking to stab you in the back, undermine you, and come in and kind of take over. Yeah, I never. I remember seeing Mister Sinister in the comics, and he looked very well sinister. I I never understood what his whole deal was, though. I never understood what he was. He, he just seemed a bit like Apocalypse to me. Uh, it's because they are tied together early on in mm. in 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 their appearances, and he works for Apocalypse mm. early on. Um, but he is obsessed with 
understanding uh, the genetics of mutants yeah. and specimens and cloning, and he loves all of that. Obsessed with Scott Summers. Obsessed with Jean Grey. Well, So, in this universe, what's better than creating this uh, this clone or this... Well, no, this child, I guess, of the two of them? Mm. Now, this Nate Grey, who is called X... He is in a comic book called X-Man. <laughs> the X-Man. He has vast psychic powers, right? And although he doesn't know it to begin with... His telekinesis is so advanced, he can use it to rearrange matter. He can rearrange energy. Ooh, hello. He has incredible telepathy. He can see the future. Wow. He can do almost anything. And this insane amount of power is designed to kill him. Like it's a burn bright, burn out deal. Yeah. He's he's not going to last... And that's by that that's intentional. Sinister wants to use him and then have him like die before he can ever prove a threat to Mr. Sinister. Mm. Nate Nate Gray, most popular character in all of this, and, and his his comic book sales were huge. He is the most nineties character. He's a godsend to Marvel. He he looked just like all the cool, young, badass characters being created over at Image Comics. Albeit, this one is properly connected to actual X-Men. It, 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 it's it, They didn't intend for this to be a breakout star. <laughs> yeah. They didn't intend for this to be so big. But right from the get-go, this was absolutely freaking huge. Um, before Nate Grey could be used by Sinister in his in his battle against Apocalypse or whatever, or surreptitiously, he's freed from slavery by his genetic father, Cyclops. Mm. They don't know their connection to each other. Cyclops is a slave as much as anyone else, right? Mm. He doesn't really have a choice if he doesn't if he if he tells Mister Sinister he doesn't want to work for him anymore, he's he will be killed. But Cyclops has grown to hate the world around him, and he has, for a while now, been secretly releasing slaves and undermining <laughs> Apocalypse whenever he can. And a lot of that began when Sinister had in his in his slave pens Jean Grey, and Cyclops fell kind of head over heels for this young woman. Um who was in he had to kind of like be the warden of and he was planning to set her free and release her but before he could do that weapon x shows up and lets her out anyway but it was what gene gray said to him gene gray came to him called him like a, tra- a race tra- a, a, not a race traitor yeah a race traitor and a monster and all of that and he was already questioning everything and that turned him around and started to make him a, a good person wow so it seems like there's a lot of uh, subterfuge between people here. Like, they, like there's, it's 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 almost like what actually happened with like in the real Cold War, where there was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah the different levels. There was different uh, deceptions going on, and you never knew who to trust. I like that. That's real. As long as they had that with this, like not not everybody's on board with Apocalypse, but they're still working from even his inner circle. And yeah, I like that. That's good. So none of these X Men remember 
the real world. This is it for them. This is just all they are. Yeah, none of them. But remember I said in the very first issue of this, which was called X-Men Alpha, the X-Men saved a wandering lunatic madman. Mm. Well, the wandering madman is Bishop. The 616 Bishop. A a, a time traveller who's travelled back from his own dystopian future, displaced from his own reality, right, to land in the 616 of our modern day, okay. and then travels back 20 years, and then gets involved in, in, this, in this Legion paradox. And when, once the Legion paradox shatters reality, mm. Bishop is left stranded 20 years in the past in Israel, his mind fractured by being so displaced from reality. Mm. And as this story begins, his mad ramblings that everyone in this world think of mad mm. are actually all about the 616 universe. Right, there we go. He tells Magneto it's all your fault. Mm. Because, of course, if Magneto had died, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. He tells Magneto and Rogue, you shouldn't be together. All of his ramblings are about our real world, or the real world that we think of. And once Rogue touches him with her bare skin yeah she sees all his memories of the world as it should be and then magneto and the x-men have a new purpose travel back in time and stop this world from ever of happening so they're going to do the time travel thing again i mean are there any superheroes on their side that can travel through time I, I. That's a really good question. Um. In in even in general in the Marvel six one six mate I. I can't think of Legion would have been the one and only character mm. I could think of that can travel through time and only because of this story. I can't think of another hero or villain. Like like Bishop can't travel through time on his own. He. He, do you know what I mean? He, he he was in the future and they built a time machine. Yeah. <clears throat> well, so in general, there aren't many. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there are some I'm overlooking, but it, what's important is that in this timeline, one of the plot points is that Apocalypse has, since he came to power, mm. sought out and killed any mutant with a power set that can travel in time. To make sure no one can go back and undo him. Wow, okay, that was a smart move. But unbeknownst to him, one mutant in his slave camps, Colossus's sister, Ilyana Rasputin, is a trans-dimensional teleporter. Ooh. Not a time traveller. A trans-dimensional teleporter. And the X-Men theorise that they can use this power along with the M-Cran crystal, to prevent Apocalypse from doing what he's done. Okay, so they have hope. What's the plan then? It must be pretty simple. No, it's big. It involves involves all these different teams. Nightcrawler's group, Gambit's team. It involves Weapon X. It involves the two X-Men teams. It involves Colossus's group of young students 
but basically he sets all these teams off with different tasks mm. um, because there's a ticking clock, right? So Weapon X and Jean Grey are made aware from the Human High Council that 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 the human the humans are about to launch a huge nuclear strike on America. They're that they're, they're about to wipe out all the mutants and humans, all life in North America. Oh, that that's God. how they're going to kill Apocalypse and kill Apocalypse's horsemen and get rid of that threat. So Weapon X and Jean Grey, they're trying to get as many human refugees as possible out of North America over to Europe before this happens. Gambit's team. Nightcrawler's team, Colossus's team, Weapon X, the two X-Men teams, they have different missions. But it's basically, they need to retrieve a shard of the M-Cran crystal from Shi'ar space. And mm. they need to rescue Ilyana Rasputin from the slave camps in the heart of Apocalypse's Citadel. Because those two things... And they need to rescue Destiny, who died in the 616 universe... But she is the one who can see the future and they believe can see different realities. So it's a complicated plan. There's different people doing different tasks. Um, speaking as someone who's played a lot of games where you put these kind of uh, simultaneous plans together, so many factors can make this all go wrong. So many. Yes. Yeah. Basically... Um, not one of the teams achieves their objective without huge casualties. Mm. Um, for instance, Colossus and his team of young students that he's been training in his school, when he is given a chance to rescue his sister, he abandons his own students. And they all get horribly killed. Oh. But he gets out. He gets out with his sister. And that's how that goes oh, down. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Along the way, in every team, there are huge casualties. Mm. Um, but basically, with, with, with Sentinels and nuclear bombs on the way, a huge final battle commences. Nate Gray kills Mr. Sinister. Ooh, hello. And then, free from that, he sets off with his godlike powers to kill Apocalypse. But he's then stopped by Apocalypse's son, who is a nuclear-powered fiend called Holocaust. He's the one that that murdered everybody in Japan in one go. Um, And so they have this huge battle. Kitty Pryde discovers that in order to save his sister... Colossus abandon their students to die. She confronts him with this during the middle of a battle. Mm. Colossus, in his steel form, loses his mind in this fight and the pain and anguish and the guilt of what he's done. And then he tramples his wife to death. Oh, God. Havoc finds out that Cyclops has been betraying Mr. Sinister and the cause. Havoc murders Cyclops and murders Jean Grey before Weapon X turns up and and kills Havoc. And finally, in all of this, Magneto uses his magnetic powers 
to rip Apocalypse <laughs> apart. <laughs> and all of this is happening as the nuclear bombs come raining down. There's no way of preventing this, it would seem. But Ilyana Rasputin and, and Destiny, they use they teleport themselves and Bishop into the Emkran crystal and use that to send Bishop back in time 20 years to Israel to the point when Legion is about to kill Magneto slash Xavier and and as soon as he arrives and tries to prevent it Legion reads Bishop's, Bishop's mind and sees his memories of the Age of Apocalypse and realises that what he's about to accidentally do will cause horror and the exact opposite of what he he wanted to achieve his father's utopia yeah but what he accidentally did was create a dystopia so he stops himself he doesn't strike either xavier or magneto that undoes the timeline that wipes clean the the the, the age of apocalypse The 616 universe is restored and both Bishop and and Legion vanish into the time stream. So that is the age of apocalypse all laid out. The timeline for four months that took over all the X-Men comics and titles and stories and affected the Marvel Universe Will, I'm dying to know what what did you make of all that? What did you think of uh, all that's of that's incredible? I really want to read that. I would genuinely. Well, you you can't. You're not allowed. I know that's that's a horrible, cruel law. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's incredible. I I I like the idea. Okay, as much as I hate the whole, uh, it's not a Deus Ex Machina, is it? The the ending of that because it kind of. No, because it's set up to begin with. I, I do know what you mean. It's that kind of, oh, it's the easy way out. Oh, they do I, that. I exactly agree. It, 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 that being said, in the context of 1995, it was not so overdone. We okay. did not, in 1995, have so many sci-fi TV shows. And we did not have so many sci-fi movies and comics doing it. I do know what you mean. I hate it as well. Look. Um, when the Age of Age of Ultron comic book came out, uh, as soon as it starts with Ultron taking over the world in the middle of the night, you don't even see it. Hmm. I was like, "F this! It's going to be time travel, and they're going to put it all back." Yeah, it just sucks. But there's something. I mean the set. I mean the fact that it hadn't happened very often. Of course, the, the, let let's play into this the the very fact that at the time I was twelve. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I have I have read bits of it subsequently and still really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it's just the fact that I was I was younger and had a younger mind. I do think there was less overexposure of the. Go back in time and undo it, trope. But sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 no. That's no, fine. It's just I think the story, the the ending, 
I, I know they've had to carry on the comics and everything, but I like the idea of the ending just being, end it there, it's the end of the Cold War, because they've just rained nuclear fire upon this country down, and I think the plan should be, it's left as a mystery, all you know is this world's ended, or, you know, this that's happened, because then you think, oh, it, I, 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 like, I like endings that leave you going, oh, oh, I mean, that's dark, but what happens next? There's so many things to ask. And just then just going, no, get some done, is a bit like, okay, well, I understand it has to happen, but come on. I think uh, with these stories, it's open to interpretation in Mm. terms of, do you believe, is your interpretation as a reader, as a consumer, as a viewer, is it that our Cyclops, because of what happened, became that other Cyclops? Or is your interpretation and viewing that our Cyclops stopped, was wiped out, someone else came along, and then they were wiped out and ours blinked back into existence? Does that make sense? I, you talk about timelines merging, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 it be, it, everyone's interpretation is, is, is different. You could mm. view these characters, right? As something washed over them in the timeline and bang, they changed and they became these other versions and then bang, they changed back. Or you could view it as two separate versions. I I, I like to view it as two separate versions because when you get down to uh, alternative universe theory, it's really a case of there are infinite number of universes. Why would there be an A-side universe and a B-side universe? That theory is out the window once you go down that path. But that's me getting technical again. Uh, I, I, do, I do like the story. I, I love the world building. I think the world, from what you've told me, uh, I might be cheeky and look at Wikipedia, if you'll let me. I want, to, I, want to look at, I want to just look at Wikipedia. I want to look at a wiki page and get, get more understanding because this world sounds amazing. No. Oh, you're so evil. No. You're so right. evil. I hope Mr. Sinister kills you. Uh, what was nice is that they launched a yeah. comic called X-Men Chronicles, right. which did the history. Um, so the first issues threw us into the modern world of the Age of Apocalypse. And then X-Men Chronicles mm. gave us, issue by issue, the history of this new timeline. Okay, And then X-Universe gave us... To your point, the world building, what was going on with the humans, Gwen Stacy mm. and Tony Stark and these other characters. It was incredibly well. It's so imaginative and well and well put together and yeah. well thought out. Yeah, because it's, it's not a simple thing of like, oh, what if this was reversed or what if this was this? It's a case of an entire some entire continents were wiped out. This happened. There's a structure, weird structures with the ocean. I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on here. So... You said it lasts, so this lasts four months. That's a good yeah. long time. That's a long time for a story like this. <laughs> were there any after effects? Considering what they were, were do, the lead up to making this story? Oh, yeah, several. Yeah. Um, the biggest one being X Man, Nate Gray. Ah, yes. It's such a breakout star. The sales on his book were so good that. He was given his own ongoing series in the regular universe. He he found himself transported to the 616 universe where he was 
the last survivor of the Age of Apocalypse, and he he found himself surrounded by different versions, people that he recognised, but now he didn't know them. They didn't act the same, you know, and mm. and and he found himself at odds with some at odds with the X Men in favour of the bad guys, the good guys. He was very he stood out on his own completely, yeah, because he had no allegiances and he didn't know who to trust and who not to trust. So that was always interesting but he wasn't the only survivor the evil hank mccoy the beast Mm. was smarter than anyone in that universe realized and he predicted the end of the universe Uh and he actually predicted how it would happen okay and he used he built himself a teleporter and he teleported himself into the mcran crystal at the same time as Ilyana and Bishop and thus went back in time with Bishop and so unbeknownst to anyone evil Hank McCoy materialised in the 616 universe 20 years ago in the past and immediately went into hiding and immediately began experimenting on mutants in sick twisted ways in the secrets and spent 20 years being undetected by anyone and everyone and um and then the year you know sort of 1996 the year after this he started to rear his head when it turned out that who we thought was beast our hank mccoy actually was not our hank mccoy he'd been kidnapped and replaced and no. the dark beast was posing as the real beast for a period of time. And that was a real fun um, storyline. Uh, Sugar Man also <laughs> the Sugar Man genuinely came, came over for some reason. But the, the more impactful ones, the, the, the very popular characters aside from that. So Good Guy Sabretooth was really popular. It was almost like getting a fresh Wolverine. It was they people loved good guy Sabretooth. People loved badass Blink mm. because people had a lot of affection and sympathy for the Blink that died in our universe. Yeah. So seeing her back with her cool power set, but being a badass, people loved that. And he was a cool. I don't know whether people loved him, but Holocaust was a cool character, a yeah. cool villain. So. Those found themselves untethered from reality. And they featured in a really cool X-Men comic book called Exiles. Ah, Exiles Exiles is pretty much like a Marvel Comics version of the TV show Sliders. (laughs) It was about a group of super-powered heroes and villains from different famous... Marvel alternate realities brought together as a team and they have to skip from timeline to timeline fulfilling different deadly missions it's so much freaking fun Exiles start at the beginning it's great Um, it uses famous timelines like Days of Future Past Age of Apocalypse and all these other fun ones that have cropped up along the years and it invents brand new ones um, it's great. That's a great series. That sounds really good. 
So you said something. Is this this is it? This is where the pin rant. Bursts. This is where the pin bursts the rant balloon, isn't it? Because I knew this was yep. coming. So I'm going to have to ask it. I know there were big changes. You mentioned at the beginning. It's hanging in the air. This big rant balloon hanging in the air at the top of the podcast. And now I'm putting the pin in. Okay, you said about this series being the end of Marvel Comics and the start of the bankruptcy. Dare I ask, Rob, what do you mean? I think when you, from your perspective, this sounds like an awesome story. This is an awesome story. There is no doubt about that. It it is the most imaginative crossover maybe ever in the history of Marvel Comics. It, it, it was bombastic, and all of the creative people involved made something really awesome. But the push to make the series and to market the series was a symptom of a sickness that was about to kill Marvel and, 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 and lead to the collapse mm. of the boom period of American comics and superhero comics. So, investment banker Ron Perlman, not that one. I was about to say, what? Him and his investment company had bought Marvel in the late 80s when their sales were getting stronger. And his intent was purely business. Increase the amount of comics Marvel publish Mm. until they flood the market and dominate the market, Mm. right? Increase the price of those comics so that Marvel dominates the market share of the industry. And then take the bloated company public on the stock exchange and sell the stock and make a fortune. Bloat the company, mm-hmm. flood the market, sell. That's a pretty standard that, go-to, isn't it, when doing this kind of thing, isn't it? For... If you're an investment banking company that doesn't give a crap about the industry, yes. <laughs> this is why there are 8, 9, 10 X-Men comics in 94, 95. This is why crossovers are so important and happened every 12 months. This is why launching a ton of number one issues is so important. This is why foil covers happen. Hologram covers happen. Gimmicks, gimmicks, gimmicks. This is why every comic ties into nine other comics and every character gets their own spin-off series. It's a scam. What? No decision I have just talked about is creatively driven. (laughs) Come on, we've got to compare this to what Disney are doing with Marvel at the moment as well and Star Wars. Um, well, I don't think so because they're already a publicly traded company. Okay. Oh, right. I see. Okay. So that's why this is a scam. Ah, right. If, if you, if your stock price is connected to the success of your company, ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's not a scam. Creating a successful company, successful projects means that your stock price maintains a level or goes up a level. And when you make a drop and a failure, it goes down a level and you suffer, right? Yeah. What is happening here is bloat, bloat, bloat. Flood the market. Increase the bloating. Mm. So you present yourself to the stock market 
as more than you are. You create a bubble. Oh, and we yeah, know what happens with investment hap- bubbles. They burst. And then when everyone buys into this bubble, it has nowhere else to go and and it bursts. I and mean, you make out like a bandit. Deadpool creates almost... So it's like what happened... This is like what happened with Greece and the EU. <laughs> mm. De- Deadpool agree. creator and, and, and Age of Apocalypse writer Fabian the Caesar looks back on this time with with abject horror, right? And and he talks mm. about this and he says I think we always felt the pressure all we felt the pressure all the time. It was exhausting, especially yeah. as the direct market numbers, that means the comic book shop sales. In in the comic book industry, you've got the general market, which is news agents and, and maybe supermarkets, Walmart, mm. and then you've got the direct market, which is comic book shops. Relatively a new idea in the eighties perhaps. As the direct market numbers were softening and more and more were being run by the more and more we were being run by the investment banking people that Perlman was putting in place, who thought of our comics more like a candy bar than a piece of entertainment that emotionally connects to people. The more mm. that Perlman's people saw they had a golden goose, the worse it got, because they were a bunch of greedy scumbags who cared nothing for comics, nothing for the company, nothing for its people, and nothing for the industry. Okay, Now, at this same time, to increase Marvel's assets, Pillman is, goes on a spending spree. He buys a trading card company called FLIR, who make the Marvel trading cards. He then buys a second trading card company called Skybox. He buys Panini, the sticker company. He buys independent corporate company called Malibu Comics. And a host of other outfits fringely connected to Marvel. He spends over $700 million that Marvel couldn't afford to spend. Bloat the company, flood the market, sell, sell, sell. On top of that, the investment banking attitude, right? Tighten the belt, tighten the grip. Cut off expenses wherever you can to exude your profits. On the creative and staffing side of things, that caused the problems that Marvel had with its freelancers that we talked about. Remember those superstar artists, Jim Lee, Tom McFarlane, Rob Leefield? They're selling millions of copies out of thin air, out of their own back, right? All they want is a, a bigger piece of the pie, a fairer share of the profits that they were driving. Well, that doesn't work for Perlman. That doesn't work for his banking buddies, right? So Marvel are unmovable on this issue. Oh. When a creator who is selling eight million copies of of X-Men comes in and says, I need a bigger percentage on my royalty check. Marvel are unmovable because they are now ran by an investment banking company. And that creates the big walkout. That loses them. Tom McFarlane, Rob Leefield, Jim Lee, Wills Patello, the seven, the big seven. And that creates the biggest headache Marvel have ever had. The superstars leave. They found Image Comics. Suddenly, the market is split three ways instead of two. Because of this restriction. Because of this investment. Because of treating Marvel Comics like any other kind of 
industry, like a candy bar yeah. company rather than an, a creative company. That's terrible. That's absolutely by terrible. 90, by 1995, Marvel is in debt. By 1996, the year after Age of Apocalypse, Ron Perlman has Marvel Comics, which has been profitable since the 1930s, which has been an industry leader since the 1960s, which has had some of the greatest and best-selling, the best-selling comics of the 1980s, Perlman has Marvel Comics declared bankrupt. Oh, my God. One year, one year after this story, one year after let's launch eight number one issues, one year after, one year after. That's horrible. And that's the downfall of, of Marvel Comics, man. That's I'm surprised they're still with us, let alone the That's a story for another day. Yeah, but man. So this was a big episode. Thank you uh for coming with us on it, but there's no better time than the Age of Apocalypse, which is a cool, freaking awesome story, and I urge you to to go out and, and, and buy. You can get great omnibus copies. I think there are three thick omnibus volumes of it because there's so much... There's four months of stories there across eight titles. There's a lot to divulge. Uh, please make sure that you purchase your copies from a bricks-and-mortar comic book shop there are loads of them available online they will deliver to your house within a few days maybe a week and it's so much better for the industry than using amazon um i i I urge everyone to to read the age of apocalypse it's so cool so much fun check out one man's worth the disney animated x-men uh series on disney plus um and 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 yeah, I'm sorry to end on a dull note with the bankruptcy <laughs> of Marvel Comics, but it felt like the perfect time to tell that story of not the Ron Perlman. And hopefully one day we'll talk about, we'll do a whole show on Image Comics, we'll do a whole show on how Marvel got out of bankruptcy. There's so many stories we can tell here on Patreon, and we can only do it because you guys keep us afloat every month keep being those VIEPs and we thank you for that thank you for listening to this special presentation of Age of Apocalypse one of our highly valued and highly priced bonus episodes from Patreon if you enjoyed this if you loved it if you love to hear me and Will discuss Marvel comic book stories that aren't necessarily shackled to the Marvel movies or the TV shows, you can get this each and every month by heading over to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel and becoming one of our bonus episode supporters, the VIEP tier, or maybe by doing the right thing. That's what you'll get for your money as well as wonderful mini episodes, early access to all the main show episodes, and you'll also get our love and our attention. So head on over to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Happy Versiversary!